listening to the Local Bar Podcast with your host, Chad Alexander. Come on in. We have a lot of friends we want you to meet. Well, hello there. From beautiful downtown Columbia, South Carolina, located right in the heart of Rosewood. This is the Local Bar. I'm your host, Chad Alexander, my baby. For all the places you could be, you've decided to spend some time with us today. For that, we're incredibly grateful. How you doing? Local Bar can be found over at localbar.com, localbarmedia.com. You can find us iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, any place you get your uh, your good podcasts thrown to you. Um, been been a little busy this week, a little busy this week, Um Talking with some companies for this job thing, trying to figure some stuff out, trying to figure life out, all that kind of stuff. But uh, th- this past the past couple of days, I got to do something really cool. Um, before I get into that, um, if you want to join the show, Chad at localbarmedia.com. Had part of my technical difficulties were the email system. It is back up and running. Uh, the website is back up and running. There was an issue. I don't know why some stuff gets renewed at the beginning of every year. And for some reason, whenever I do like, like half of it auto renews, it all auto renews, but you still have to go in there and flip a couple of buttons, but it's not on everything. So I keep forgetting. And so the email system was down and I was like, why, why am I not getting any emails? Like none. And I flipped the switch today and, um, it looks like uh, some came through, but uh, I seem to have lost some days. So if you send emails in, I didn't respond. Feel free to send them back in again. You can do that chat at localbarmedia.com. And um, you, you want to support us, patreon.com slash localbar is where you go to do that. Keeps us loud, live, and independent. Thank you, thank you, thank you to all the patrons who support us over there. It uh, really makes a big difference and uh, greatly, greatly Appreciate that. Um, so, Marie and I, Creed Two uh, just came out not not long ago. Uh, the The continuation of the Rocky movies underneath the Apollo Creed name. It's a movie about. Um, if you saw the first one, it's about um, Apollo Creed's son, and uh, Rocky trains him. Obviously. Uh, I had never seen the first movie. Never seen it, and Maria and I really wanted to see uh creed 2 but uh since i hadn't seen it, it it wouldn't make any sense so we sat down and watched creed the other night uh loved it fantastic movie if you haven't seen it i know i'm a little bit late to that party but uh, if you have not seen the first creed great movie very much in the rocky style even though i think that was the only movie sylvester stallone in the entire rocky saga that sylvester stallone did not write i believe that's true um it feels just like any Rocky movie. You're still not quite sure what exactly is going to happen. Um, the The acting is phenomenal. But one of my one of my favorite things uh, was that uh, Felicia Richard, who played uh, Claire Huxtable in the Cosby Show all those years, who I I've always loved as an actress, who I think is greatly underestimated. I think she was the only member of the Cosby Show to never get like a major tv award which i do not understand not that the other actors on that show were not fantastic but felicia richard is 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 just 
a, an awesome actress to me. I just love her. Anything she's in, it's fantastic. It is hard for me to not see her as Claire Huxtable, though. So in this movie, when she played a mom, um, I really completely bought it because I look at her as if she's Claire Huxtable. Uh, at the beginning of the movie, she's walking into what looks like Juvie. Oh, what is Juvie? And uh, Juvenile Detention Center for, for, for Young Boys. And the first thing I can think of is like, oh, no, what's Theo done now? Um, but it was really good. The other thing about it is, is the, the, in the first Creed, uh, Adonis Creed, the Apollo Creed's son, his love interest, who is a major character in the movie, uh, re- re- just greatly resembles um, Denise from the, the Cosby Show. The actress that played Denise, what was her name? Lisa Bonet, Lisa Bonet. She she like just really really resembles her. The, the hair, the dreads, the the late uh, part of the Cosby Show when uh, Lisa Bonet always had the dreads in her hair. I think when she got married and had a baby, I believe she had a baby. Um, it, it's, it's just great though. Like it, it brought back not only Rocky nostalgia but Cosby Show nostalgia. It was it was great. Uh, and then right after we were done seeing uh, Creed, I realized that Maria had never seen Rocky, so we watched the original Rocky. And then we went to see Creed 2 in the movies. Uh, great movie. Fantastic. Good storyline. Uh, put me in a position that uh, I was surprised at as far as the characters are concerned. Probably the best acting Dolph Lundgren has ever done. He's brilliant. Brilliant. He and Stallone made that movie. It was wonderful. Talk about nostalgia. Oh, that was great. There was there was a moment. I don't want to give anything away, but there was a moment where those two were faced with each other. They didn't expect it. First time in 30 years. Oh my gosh. Great. Great movie. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. It's very well done. Um, it's not uh not over the top violent. Uh they did it very, very well. Um there's only one one part of Creed 2. There's one part of Creed 2 that took me out of the movie that I was just no, that's bad. No, if you guys, you, you, you thought wrong on that. I, I don't want to say what it is just yet. I'm going to give it a month or so for people that want to see it. So I'm not ruining anything. But it's not a major part of the movie. Anyway. But just, just there's just a part at the end that almost took me, almost made me <laughs> pull against Creed for a minute. I don't know. Uh, but um, it, is, it was great. Great this weekend to spend some time walking down memory lane of of movies and and tv shows that, that i haven't seen in a while it took me back to my childhood and uh I, I sat and thought about all the shows man that i miss I, i've mentioned wkrp in cincinnati uh all, all the time on, on this show heck I've, i used to play clips for it. oh speaking of which i got a very nice email um and i i want to address it personally uh if i can find it from a James from James uh, somewhere it just says in Virginia uh, really nice email uh, asking me about uh, sometimes when I play clips I'll play clips from movies or just like a quick uh, uh, clip from a TV show and ask why I don't I don't really do that that much anymore he, he caught that I did it on the 100th episode Um and uh, because there was a little point behind it, he got it. He explained that he understood why I played that that part of the movie. But 
Uh, ask why I don't do that that often. Well, it's it's because of the rules that are out there right now. One of the things that really stinks that um, we can't do in the podcasting world, and, and there's a lot in radio that you can't do as well, but there's a lot of problems that we have as far as rights to songs or rights to clips. Or even if, like, if I, t- I, I this show is not on YouTube because it would get, it would get, it would get blocked all the time. They would take down every episode. Uh, even even though I have the rights to the music that I play, that I have expressed written consent from Don Merkel. I mean, I'm in the band. Uh, they they would give me a problem with it, and so uh, I I I never have put any of this on YouTube because I'm sure they would pull every single episode. I used to do more with music, and I liked that because the songs would have something to do with a part of the show, and it was always fun for me because I I I love the um, I love the feeling that music can give us when um, when words just can't sometimes. And I, um, I, I've always enjoyed doing that. But now that I'm on Spotify and now that I'm on iHeart, I, I really have to watch that and I have to watch those rules. And uh, it kind of stinks. And I appreciate that. It was a, it was a really nice letter, um, really nice email, you know, saying that they really enjoyed, even had some specific examples that uh, I really appreciate, James. That was, it was really cool because I, I sometimes wonder if people get it. And uh, I, I really did. I really did like that. So thank you very much. That's why I don't do it. Um, and I, I, I wish I could. I, um, but I was. I ended up going uh, not only WKRP in Cincinnati, but uh, looking up like stuff from Good Times. I used to watch Good Times. Um, I got on YouTube and started finding clips from all kinds of shows that I used to watch when I was a kid. Benson loved Benson. Eight is enough. Just the ten of us. There were a bunch of shows that had like numbers in them like that. Um, I uh, the Full House, like the old one, not this new one that's just a, just hot garbage on an asphalt highway. It, it is a um, it was fun just to kind of go back and and, and do that. that. Watching that Rocky movie really did that to me. Really got me going. Um, and I um, I was reminded of my my childhood. Now I've talked about. My childhood on here before. Um, I haven't gone into a ton of detail about it, but I, I had pretty good. I had a pretty good life growing up. I mean, I really did. Uh, one of my favorite parts, though, when I when I talk about my childhood, what I feel because I moved a lot as a kid, but we lived in um, basically my elementary school years were spent in a in a city called in a city a town a village called uh, Traveler's Rest. Just as big as it sounds. Okay. Um, a lot of people in South Carolina know where this is. It's a very trendy place now. There are these awesome breweries. There's great hiking up there. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful town. Um, all that stuff was not there when I was a kid, but it didn't matter. It was still a magical place to grow up. Grow up on the mountain. I had a conversation. Uh, these guys, the Paris Mountain Scoundrels, it's a band that plays around here. They opened for uh, my friends, the 48 Fables, uh, last night. And uh, I got a chance to talk with them a little bit. It was great talking about the, the area up there. And um, but I lived in I lived in a in a neighborhood that had three streets, four streets, and it was uh, just you know, one road in, one road out on the mountain. Beautiful, wonderful place to grow up. Lots of kids, great place. And um, you know, I didn't grow up bad. It wasn't hard. Life was life was not hard for me as a kid. Uh, my my family was middle class. I don't know, maybe for as as I'm learning, the older I get, maybe lower middle class. It didn't feel like it to me. We didn't really want for anything. I mean, it was 
we lived in a nice house. We our friends were like right there. We all we all had food on the table every night. I, I think you know I, people people made me feel like I like sometimes when I talked to them that I grew up poor. I, I didn't. I mean it was a it was a great life. My parents both had jobs. They both worked. They um, both did very well. And um, but I loved TV. And I loved uh, that escape that TV would give me every now and then. And it was funny, it, when, when Maria and I met, I, I had known something about the foster care system, but I, I didn't know a lot about it, right? I didn't know. I mean, I'd, I had an idea of how it worked. I'd seen it on TV, you know? Wasn't Punky Brewster part of the foster care system, I think? Um, the guys from Different Strokes. Uh, it, it's... it's uh, I know I, I knew a little bit about it, but I didn't fully understand how it worked or the problems that existed uh, with the foster care system. And uh, as I've learned uh, through what Maria's passion is in, in 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 finding ways to help out the foster care system and trying to make it better uh, with with this you know these projects that she's looked at getting started before that that I'm sure one day she's going to get up and running with there there's there's uh, there's a huge need an incredible need and it's always weird for me because I didn't grow up if I grew up around it I didn't know it I probably didn't because that city was so small is it is a, a very tight knit community um I didn't grow up with that a lot it was probably and I, and I'll explain this in a little bit. Well, I'll go ahead and explain it now. It was it was one of those. It's one of the things about South Carolina that is. I don't know if it's like this everywhere, but in small town South Carolina, one of the things that could happen. I don't know if life is still this way. It's been a long time since I lived in a small town, but um, if people didn't know something, or if it was if it was out of the norm, it was kind of shunned in some ways. Like, don't talk about. Man, that's a he's a foster kid. Just don't just don't talk about that. Like they they would they would ignore that. I can understand part of that if you're looking at it as uh don't look at that child as being adopted or part of a foster care system. That is their child. That's the way you need to look at it. Who cares if they're adopted? Um and, and so I can I can fully understand that. I wasn't so naive to not see though that that wasn't always the case. That sometimes it really was a don't don't mention the a word uh, adopted word it didn't come up that often but but it it did i think there's a i think there's a part of us and it may be true in a lot of different circles where if it is outside of our social norms we almost don't want to give it a a, a a lot of spotlight because we don't want that to become a norm maybe that's what our fear is i, I i'm not exactly sure um probably Probably why the whole being gay thing took a long time around here for for people to be okay with it. Still not all the time. It it's a lot better, you know. I was um I was talking with someone not long ago about that. Uh, that uh, Jen Snyder, who's been on the show before, comedian, uh, ran into her at a restaurant the other night. I didn't get a chance to talk to her, but uh, it it spurred a conversation uh, about her a few days later when I ran into somebody. They were asking if I was still doing comedy and and who I would recommend seeing. And we talked a little bit about that and about Jen being um, being a comedian and with her being gay and and she doesn't it, that's not like the focus of every one of her acts, uh, but but it it certainly in some of them it is, but it's like before it was such a taboo thing. Now it's just like she makes jokes like about being gay, like she gets up and uh, makes really bad coffee in the morning. 
Not that that'd be a really good subject for comedy, making bad coffee. But um, my my point is, it, it it's not the same taboo that it used to be. But it sure took us a long time. It took us a long, long time to get there. I don't understand with the foster care system. There's, there's a couple of things nowadays. I... I, I I don't understand it, but I've heard enough people when they have problems with like gay marriage and stuff like that. Like I, I, I hear I hear that. I hear churches that, that want to use biblical references. Like I under I understand where everyone comes from, even whether I agree with them or not. I, I at least understand where people come from on this stuff. I have never understood a couple of things. Um hum, the human trafficking problem that we have in the United States. Actually, I bet you most people in South Carolina have no idea how major a problem it is here. Uh, Highway 20 is one of the main uh, arteries for human trafficking in the United States. A lot of people that live in this state do not know that. Um, I don't know that our law enforcement teams do enough to stop it or to call out to the community for it. I you know, I don't know. I don't know what else they can do, but it is it is a major issue that it's it floors me the more I've read into it and found out about it. Uh it floors me how little we know. The other problem that I have with things like that is the foster care system. Uh the foster care system in in the United States is atrocious. Not not the workers there, mind you. I'm, I'm not saying that. But the situation we're in with foster care in this system is horrendous. We all talk about uh, immigration. Immigration is a hot subject, and it will be for a little while until we forget it a couple months down the road. Oh, Chad, we won't forget this one. Oh, you won't? Because we're not really talking about guns in school anymore, and it's it's been six months. The kids have been back in school for six months, and we have dropped it. You remember the March for Our Lives? It's the most important thing. It has been dropped from the national conversation. No one, no one's talking about uh, gun control. I mean, you are when somebody brings up the NRA, but but no one, it is not on the forefront anymore because that's what we do. We make it a big issue. We talk about it. We got to make laws. We got to make rules. We got to make changes. And then we stop. We just stop. Immigration is the same thing. Every four years, immigration is brought up. Every four years. You, you can look at it. It is like old faithful, which by the way, um, that's sad to read not long ago that Old Faithful is actually really not that faithful. Like it just, it doesn't like go off like every hour. It just kind of does. Sometimes it skips an hour. I don't, know. I don't think you should be able to grab that nickname if you're not really, but you know. Um, but we do, we, we do that. And I'm, 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 I mean, I'm not blaming you, the listener here, but I mean, we, you, you got to admit, this is what we do with anything. Immigration is a huge issue that does have major impact on the foster care system. Uh, Maria and I have looked into uh, fostering, working with adoption centers for the people. This was uh, a couple of years ago before this whole uh, band of folks came up through Central America and, and came to our borders. That, that's, a, that's something that's been going on for a long time. Uh, there's a lot of kids that are in the foster system um, that, that, that come through that way. And we've we've tried to help. We've tried to find a, a way to to change that. We've tried to find a way for us to actually get involved. And um, the more and more I learn about the foster care system, uh, its connections with the immigration system, and, and all that, it, it is it's just atrocious. Like none of it, none of it, none of it 
is working the way that it should. Now, again, I'm not ripping on the, the workers. They they have their hands are mostly tied and they are bursting at the seams for what they have to do. So I get it. I get it. But one of the things I don't want us to do is is stay away from it and not pay attention to it because we don't want to hear the sad stories. You know, like like the, the you know the Sarah McLachlan commercials where the ASPCA shows a bunch of animals that are being abused and that commercial seems to go on for like 9 freaking minutes. I have no idea how they bought so much time. I mean, I guess I'm kind of glad that they didn't spread it out throughout the day, but you know, you watch you watch Mash at night. It's going to take up nine minutes of your commercial time in between uh, segments. It's just it's it's one of the saddest things you've ever seen. I think a lot of times we don't want to hear those sad stories, so we stay away from it. It's a it's the way human beings are. We just kind of do that. So I I wanted to do something a little bit different this week. I've got an interview. Of a lady that I have I have not met, uh, that Maria knows her through a connection with with what she the work that she's done, the volunteering that she's done, and I wanted to bring her on because she works with an organization here uh, that works with the foster care system, and it was wonderful talking to her because what she talked about was very positive. Um, there was, and I don't mean just like in a silver lining kind of way. It was great to hear. Her talk about the successes, uh, what their mentality is, what their mindset is, what they're looking for, how they individualize that to the children that they're helping, what exact ranges of children there are they are helping, and how they follow through with them. It was I, I had a phone conversation with her, and I I kind of thought I'm gonna be honest with you, I kind of thought I'd be a little bit down <laughs> when I was done with the conversation because I was doing that too. I was I was waiting for the sadness, and. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. The fact that we we are in the situation we're in with the foster care system is that is yes, that in and of itself is very sad. But um, I think it's important to know that there are groups out there that are working, that are helping, that are doing great things. So I want to bring this interview on. I want you to take a listen to it. Uh, it's actually a little short this week, but um, it's something that I think is very important. And uh, take a listen to this, and I will talk to you on the other side of the break. If I could fight like you, I'd be a champion I could hang my hat, darling, out in the hallway If I could fight like you, I could do anything And I could walk away like a machine With me this week, uh, it's, it's another one of these uh, episodes where I get to pull somebody in uh, Maria has got her 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 reaches into a couple of different areas uh, with some of the stuff that that she does. We've talked about that on welding a family before, and, and one of the things that, though that she's kind of always had an eye for um, is a place that she volunteers at it every now and then. We do we do a little bit of stuff for them when it comes time for the girls' birthday parties, and we'll, and we'll get into that here in a little bit. 
but I, I'm getting uh, a chance and an opportunity today to bring to you uh, someone from the Palmetto Place Children's Shelter, Mrs. Kendra Millette Brunson. Kendra, how are you? And did I did I get that name right? Did I say you that right? got it okay. right? You got it right. And it's a beautiful Saturday Eve. So yes, <laughs> you got it going. <laughs> that's right. So it's 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 funny. We we've had uh you know we we've we've tried to talk today. I had some technical difficulties. It was more on my end. But you had some meetings today, and I, I was I was yes. laughing. I was like, who in the world has meetings on Friday? Who is paying attention <laughs> in that? I don't care what kind of work you're in. Who the heck is paying attention on Friday? I don't, I don't get it. Um, but I appreciate you taking a, a couple moments out of the busy day today to, to, to chat with us. So tell, tell me a little bit about Palmetto Place. What is it, just the overall idea of Palmetto Place? Absolutely. So while the name kind of sort of says it for us, we're a little bit more than just a children's shelter. Okay. Um, we've been around for 44 years. Um, well, actually now with the new year, it makes 45 years oh, wow. um, that we've, yeah, we've been around in Columbus, South Carolina. Um, and the cool thing about us is we have two shelters, actually, one of which is our children's shelter, housing individuals ages 12 and up, and by up, I mean to 17 years old. But the problem that, you know, we identified was that, well, you know, as soon as a child turns 17, we don't want to push them out. Right. We want to lead them to sustainability or self-sustainability and have the resources that they truly need to thrive. So that is where our second home came in for unaccompanied youth, because there is a population that's neglected. And again, that's the unaccompanied youth. So individuals ages 17 to 21 um, reside at our second home, which again is our unaccompanied youth shelter. Um, and it's there where our children are either enrolled in high school, uh, college, many of them are working. Um, we get runaways, we get children that have been a victim of sexual assault, um, abuse, um, individuals with mental health disorders. There's really, you know, no no special child that we get. I mean, they're all special, but there's not, they're all unique um, in which their background makes them so different um, and very, very resilient, strong children. So we're a shelter. Um, we, we take in children and teens that have been abused or neglected. Tell me a little bit about the, the just to give me an idea of the numbers of children you serve. And let's just use it. We'll just use a year as a time period. How, how many children are you talking about that the Columbia area uh, touches every year? Oh, my goodness. So um, last year alone, we saw well over. And again, remember, our emergency shelter, um, you can have a child there for 24 hours or you can have a child there for three or so years at our emergency shelter, um, which is DSS children, individuals okay. that are in DSS care. Yeah. So our second shelter, of course, with our teens, they're a little slower when it comes to moving out from under us. So their time, their average length of stay is 45 days, which of course it could be much longer than that. We have residents who have been with us for close to two and two to three years. So number wise, um, just in last year alone, we saw well over a thousand children. Good. Right, so Columbia, South Carolina, while, while we're well, we're a decent-sized city. I mean, come on, let's face it. Some days we're just an oversized college town. You're still, with the population we have here, you're you're talking about over a thousand. So, a, an area like a metro area like uh, Charlotte or Atlanta that's pretty close to us, I can only imagine. So, when people say that there is like a, a problem, we use the word epidemic quite a bit. Right. 
Um, this is not a problem that it started last year. This is something Absolutely. that is ongoing. Um, as far as the children that you're you're helping, are the numbers growing? Are they staying the same? Are they decreasing at all? What What are you seeing as far as those trends are concerned? Absolutely. So the I will say not necessarily the numbers, but the demand is definitely growing. Um, and the good thing about us is while our numbers are at our unaccompanied youth house, they're kind of stagnant right now. It's actually something to boast about because right. it means that our children are staying with us. Even once they become, you know, turn 18, they say, hey, no, we need a few more years. We need you to nurture us a little longer, lead us to financial sustainability, teach us more about credit and financing so we don't go out and purchase a car with 24% interest rate, you know, and make those mistakes. Um, this weekend alone, we'll be moving another young into her own apartment. We just did that last week. So, you know, again, the demand is what is what is growing. And we unfortunately have to turn, you know, the requests away very, very often every day. Um, But the, the numbers, absolutely, they're not just growing. And we feel like the numbers probably statewide have been the same but it's becoming more noticed now if that makes sense or people are starting to pay attention to the fact that there are homeless children out here there are homeless teens um so yeah what what so with the with talk to me a little bit about the success stories that you're seeing um when you keep up with these with these kids especially when they move uh into you know the the older segment and, and and you guys get to work with them a little bit longer uh, when you're keeping up with them, when you're when you're coming back around, or they they come back around to to check in to see how you're doing, what does that look like? What kind of what kind of things are you seeing? Absolutely. So, and that's a very good question because um, our numbers, while they matter to us, they matter to donors. Um, we we don't just care about numbers. We want to know that even after they turn 21, are they still thriving? So that's where our aftercare case manager comes in. Um, um, our aftercare manager is phenomenal. She is the one who follows up with them or is the point of contact if they turn 22 years old and they say, hey, you know, I know I didn't want to go to school while I was at Palmetto Place, but now I'm ready to do this. I need some encouragement. I need a resource guide. Um, that happens there. And then, of course, um, as far as success stories, my God, uh, this year in August, we moved five individuals into their college dorms. Oh, wow. So, so these are, you know, first generation. Um, yeah. These are children who may have been in special needs in school or, or thought they were special needs students, but all they needed was special attention um, to get them to where they need to go. And right before this call, literally uh, 10 minutes before I jumped on with you, um, cool enough, one of our residents walked through the door and we could hear the children cheering and we asked them what's going on. And he said, this is my last day of class. This today was my last day of class. He is able to graduate as a senior from high school early. Oh, wow. So, you know, we get chills from these things. We have individuals that are um, getting their first job and they're saving money and they're purchasing their own car, you know, um, purchasing health insurance or, excuse me, car insurance on their own. So there's the success stories happen you know, as humbly as I can say, they happen every day. And it's not about us. It's about the children. They are doing this. And we're super proud of them. That, that's that got to be fantastic whenever you, you see something like that. I, I, I think that's it's great to see, yeah, the, the difference you're making. But then you remember that it's not, it's not 
uh, just the statistic. It's not just a trend you're wanting to see go move upward. It, it's it's some it's somebody's life, and it's and it's it's fantastic. To see that. One of the things that I've always thought when it comes to uh, groups like this that are that are uh, focused on helping uh, what's within their reach in the community is I've always felt that there is a residual effect from that to where someone who is helped, someone who is able to, to, to go through the program, find success, get their life on the right track, they generally have a sense of giving about them or an idea of wanting Absolutely. to give back. Is, is that something that you see? Or it's not my own naivety thinking that. that. That's something that actually happens, right? It is not naive at all. It's And what you just said is beautiful, honestly, and it is the truth. Um our children, when we ask them, you know, what do you want to do after school or what do you want to do if you don't go to school? And they'll tell us we want to be a counselor because that's what Palmetto Place gave us. Or we want to come back and open up a homeless shelter. We have a phenomenal young lady right now with this beautiful vision of buying one of, of, one of Columbia's bigger hotels just to house homeless individuals from birth until they need it. Um, and we have... Uh, for example, one of our young ladies that, again, we're moving into her own apartment this week, she she talks all the time about how she wants to come back to Palmetto Place to help the children, to be a mentor. So it's it's one of those things where not a hand out, but they're, they're reaching their hand back down to pull individuals back up with them. And we love it. And it's, we don't even call it paying it forward um, because they do it because they they know that if it hadn't been for someone intervening, where, whether it was Palmetto Place or any other agency, they know that they could have very well been another statistic and not a not-so-good statistic. One of the things that happens whenever you're dealing with the community and trying to, to get out there and get your name out there, I, I know that there, whether we like to, to, to acknowledge it or not, we are a skeptical uh, bunch mm -hmm. of people. And there's always an idea. People will want to ask questions. I'm sure one of the ones that's come up is something to the effect of, well, why did the kids find themselves in this place in the first place? And then there's always, like, some repercussions that they'll want. Well, what are we doing about that? Are the, are the people that have put the kids in this, in this position uh, getting any kind of – is there anybody that's, that's taking care of that situation? Uh, how much do you – come across that mentality and, and and how do you steer that in the right direction to make sure that you're able to keep the focus where you need it to be absolutely and um that's a good question and the one thing that i do admire about palmetto place is we are very transparent um obviously you get skeptics on that end but then you get skeptics in the, the world of well how do we know that our dollar is being used in this area okay so sure, we're yeah. transparent with our reporting um obviously we follow irs guidelines our annual reporting we back the fact that every dollar that is donated to palmetto place children's shelter for our general funds goes to our children it goes to purchasing them winter coats it goes to paying for those school pictures that they've never been able to get you know when they lived at home with mom or dad or in other shelters. It goes to paying for field trips that typically they may have been, you know, they may have had to sit out of because they didn't have the $36 to, to take a field trip to Charleston with the rest of the students. So those dollars are used and we're always good stewards of those dollars. Um, and they go 
to our children. So as far as the other skeptics that come in and, you know, well, how do you stop this? We start with the child and focusing on the child. And like you mentioned earlier, with that residual effect, well, the other residual effect is that hopefully we'll never be able to end childhood trauma and we can't necessarily reverse it, but we can be the change to, I guess, tackling the cycle of it or the generational cycle so that just because one of the children we see may have been a victim of sexual assault, um, but we can very well make sure, or not make sure, but plant those seeds to where they are able to express what happened in their lives, address the trauma, and hopefully you know, not end up on the sex offender registry themselves or committing that same crime to a family member just because it happened to them. Um, So again, it starts with focusing on the child, meeting the child where they are and not, you know, being afraid to address the baggage or the trauma that they bring with them, because that is something that all of us, Chad, um, trauma is something that we've, we've all had in our lives, whether it be small or big. And Every person in the United States in the world has to address it. And again, that is what Paul Meadow Place really, really tries to do is to make sure that we're able to help, you know, stop the cycle and help address those mental health issues that, again, cause individuals to not only become homeless, but then create other issues for the other people that they interact with later on in life. I don't want to get bogged down in this because I, I believe it's probably easy to. And plus, I don't I don't think it's really important to the conversation we're having but i i do want to ask obviously there there are times that no matter what you try to do uh it doesn't work uh something Mm -hmm. falls apart uh Mm -hmm. something gets somebody goes down a bad path or other issues pop up i mean when you're dealing with children uh there there can be other issues that come up that, that are outside the the scope of what you can deal with when 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 you go through that, when you have something that doesn't end up, um, I don't want to say the, the best way that you could have it. I mean, it, it doesn't end in a positive manner. How do you guys address it? What do you, what do, you do to look at that and, and, and try to uh, decide, hey, is there anything we could have done there? Um, is there any way we could have moved forward with this? Like, what, what does that look like with you guys? Absolutely. So we don't have a model of a perfect child at Palmetto Place and many children's shelters, thank God, do not um, have this one model where one mold fits all. So what that means is that absolutely things fail. Um, Absolutely. You know, we might see a child who thought, okay, I will stay with you guys. I will get a job. I will save money and I will get an apartment by December 31st. I will say goodbye to you guys. Well, the thing is, when we meet a child and we're introduced to them, we let them know you set the, the goals. You tell us what success looks like for you. Because if you tell us that a four-year degree is not for you, then absolutely we'll start looking at alternative routes to education. Um, so they set those goals. And then we set the, the, I guess, the measurables or the, you know, the things they need for the outcomes to happen. And we put the tools and resources in there for that to happen. But things happen. You're in a house with teenagers and children. So sometimes for various reasons, they have to leave. And if they leave, then it's not just, well, we, we've seen a child go. There's still that aftercare that comes into play. We never just cut off a child. So that child still has access to, or young adult still has access to our aftercare, uh, aftercare case manager. And of course, we do staffing. 
So we have biweekly staffings where we sit down and we go case by case looking at, is this the best option for this child? Um, are we the best people to tackle You know, this child? Are we the uh, giving the right resources or do we need to get more? Do we have the capacity to help? Because that's the big thing um, in many nonprofits that is just so important but missing is that that um, lean so the ability to lean on other nonprofits in areas where we are weak. And um, we're okay with that. We're okay going out to other places to find mentors for our children if we are not the best people to provide, you know, that type of support. Tell me a little bit about uh, what it is that you guys want to accomplish, about your goals. I mean, is when you, when you set out each year, uh, I'm sure there are things that you want to do. I mean, it, it is – it's not so much like you said before the the statistics of whether something's going up or down. You, you want to make sure that you're serving whoever you need to. Uh, but but what kind of things would you guys like to see? And I guess I'm asking more for as far as community involvement is concerned. Where what what can help you guys as far as people coming in, people helping? Where can the community do more of a part in this situation? Absolutely. So there's several ways. So first, the first thing we want, um, not to sound a corny or, or um, you know, like like a quote, but the truth is what we want is not just to be another trend, but to transform something transformative. So to change the conversation around homelessness um, and you mentioned the word epidemic earlier. Well, if it truly is an epidemic, then again, to change the comfort um, level for people to have the conversation about what homelessness looks like. So that's the first thing. But the second thing, so for Palmetto Place, is we survive solely from grant funding, donors, and our volunteers. So we get volunteers that say, hey, I know I love children. I know I want to help, but I don't know in what area I can help. Well, my ask of them is always, what are you passionate about, about outside of Palmetto Place? So if you love to do hair, hey, we have a need for you. We have a program called our Super Heroes Program. And that is simply people who donate their time and talent to come do hair for our individuals, um, our residents, simply because you know, appearance has a lot to do with self-esteem sure. and our children are not, you know, afforded the opportunity to go to salons like other children are, or to have the tools to have their hairs, you know, done. Um, so barbers, uh, beauticians, and even if you are not a barber or a beautician, you know one. So if you'd like to, let's say, sponsor the hairdo, all you have to do is reach out, you send the funds for it, we'll make the appointment, and that's it. Um, your organization, your agency, your um, company can come and cook dinner with our children. Um, they love the interaction. You know, it's nice to have, you know, different foods coming through the door. We love spaghetti, but we've seen spaghetti a lot. <laughs> so right. if they want to do a taco night, um, sponsor an outing for our children. Again, um, it's bigger than the moment. So it's bigger than just a trip to, you know, from Columbia to Charleston. It's about exposure. And many of our children have never left Columbia. Many have never left their hometown or South oh, Carolina. Wow. Hmm. So those are the big things. Um, and of course, as a development director, my goal will always be for a sustainable organization. So at any point, if anyone wants to donate to Palmetto Place, we welcome that. And all the dollars will always go to our unaccompanied youth home. What one of the things when I've dealt with anything uh, as far as development, I've, I've, I've 
worked a long time ago with the Medical <laughs> University of South Carolina, and I got ah. to work for a really great guy who's the vice president down there, Jim Fisher, and I, I think the world of him. Awesome. And I, I've learned a lot from him. But one of the things that we would talk about a, quite a bit, and and I, I want to ask this of you uh, as a professional that that deals with this type of work. You mentioned before, as far as this being an epidemic of not wanting it to be a trend in, in mm-hmm. today's society, it, that is what we do. It, things things are trends. I mean, I can mm-hmm. I can go back to six months ago, and I and I, you know, for this is going to be huge, and everybody says is this you know this is what the next election will be about, or this right. this is the most important thing going on in our life right now, and then two months later, it, it's just not. But right. Just not that it's not an important issue, but because we're not giving it the focus. So we we do seem to think in sound bites as far as a community or as a, especially as a nation is concerned. What do you do to 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 keep that from happening? I mean, I I know you can only do so much that's in your power, but what what kind of things do you do? Where do you ask people to focus? How do you keep you know your issue or any issue like this on the forefront where it needs to be and not let it slide to the back burner absolutely and that's a great question um the the thing is you know there is nothing wrong with being mission focused or mission driven but you know um as you work for MUSC and any place you work sometimes we get so bogged down in the mission that we miss the big picture and again for us, it's bigger than just providing, you know, a home for these teens. It's about giving them, you know, that level of success that they thought they would never reach or whatever success looks like for them. So it's hiring individuals who aren't just mission driven, but they're coming to work as for, for marriage, if that makes sense. Huh. Um, I've, I've always said before that, you know, my, my jobs in my younger years, they felt like flings. And then when I kind of learned a little bit more about development, oh my goodness, it felt like I was dating my job, but Palmetto Place feels like a marriage. Um, I want to be here for however long I have to be. And it's for us, and I can't speak to our human resource director or for my ED, but I know it's about finding the people um, with not just talent, but the heart for what they do. So it's people who we don't ask our staff to be married to Palmetto Place, but we do ask you to be committed for the hours that you are working. And they are. Um, they love Palmetto Place. And that, to me, makes a huge difference. It's getting people that are as invested I guess, in, in the vision we have. And it's bigger, again, than, than just the hours. This is a family. Palmetto Place is truly a family. Our staff and our children, we all love each other. Yeah. That's really that's really cool. So, so Kendra, not that I'm going to push anybody to go and get married to Palmetto Place Children's <laughs> Shelter, but if people were to want to take it on a date or maybe some coffee, find out a little bit more about it, where, where all can they go to learn more about you guys and what you're doing? Absolutely. So there's several ways. Um, first and foremost, connect with us on social media. So our Instagram is Palmetto Place or at Palmetto Place, um, at Palmetto Place Shelter, excuse me. And then our Facebook is, of course, Palmetto Place Children's Shelter. So connect with us. You can DM or inbox us and that'll come directly to us and we'll respond. We're really good at that. The second way, just to learn a little more, your company or your agency can schedule a lunch and learn. So um, 
you guys during your lunch breaks, we can come you can support our fundraisers. Um, no one likes the word fundraisers because it sounds so uptight, but ours are fun. We host the uh, annual sweet and savory competition, which is a huge uh, chef's award here in the Midlands. Um, and we give away the golden spatula award. So that's 10 of the top chefs around Columbia, South Carolina. We'll have Jason Bruner from 1801 Grill, uh, Kiki from Kiki's Chicken and Waffles, several other chefs that will come out, battle it out, and have local celebrity guest judges. And every dollar from that event comes back to our unaccompanied youth home. So fundraising, of course. And then last but not least, Palmetto Place Shelter dot org um, is our website and we're going through a few changes um so bear with us but that is where you can find out a lot about us and you can always contact me kendra at palmettoplaceshelter.org awesome well kendra listen i appreciate you coming on spending some time with us today telling us a little bit about uh about palmetto place i think it's fantastic what you guys are doing and I, I really think it's 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 very nice to be able to 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 learn a little bit more about this with you and bring this to the community. Thank you so much for your time today. I really do appreciate it. Thank you for doing this. You are amazing. Thank you. <laughs> and you knew from the start they're in our kissing heart They had the elegance of a loaded gun Beneath the dark and distorted layers Lay the answer to rock and roll prayers And in their wake influenced everyone Let's give it up for the underground Turn up and they wouldn't turn down Walk around like they own the place Put a smile on a Warhol's face The black angel never let them down Sister Rachel would have been proud but she was busy waiting for her man. I want to say uh, thanks again to Kendra for coming on. Uh, it's wonderful to have her on. Sorry about the technical stuff in there. I uh, hope it didn't make any of your ears bleed with that. <laughs> I had a little bit of, a, of an issue um, when, when the kids get my wires and want to use them on their toys inside. Sometimes they don't seem to go right back the way they're supposed to. So sorry about that. Uh, but no, I do appreciate Kendra coming on. What a wonderful program. What a wonderful thing to, to have on the have on the show and, and to talk about. The reason I brought it up and the reason I was talking about the way I, I, I was brought up when uh, earlier when we were talking was not so much, um, yeah, just about what I saw as far as not being around the foster care system or what my what uh how i was oblivious to it in in some ways just because i had um hadn't gone through anything like that as, as a kid um the reason i brought it up is uh really all the nostalgia that i had seen over the past couple of days took me back to my childhood and i had i had, had this conversation with kendra the other day and um i thought about that i thought about how different our lives are you know a lot of us grow up maybe in the same neighborhoods but life is still different but there's the, there are these common things like when I mentioned different strokes or the Cosby Show when I when I mentioned that 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 elicits something in your mind, it takes you back to something. When I talked about Rocky, 
You know, it, it something in there for most of us listening, it, it takes you back to something. And what it takes you back to is a simpler time. We call them simpler times. I guess they, they were. As you get older, life doesn't get easier. You just get more used to it. You can deal with it better, but it, it, it certainly gets more complex. But one of the things that I've found out about the foster care system and the little bit that I've been involved in it now over the past few years uh, is that some people don't have it like that. Some people's hard life is is early. Some people will tell you that their life is easier now than it was growing up. And for most of us, I think that's probably kind of foreign. Oh, sure. I mean, it's it's common. Some of us grew up hard. Some of us had uh, hard uh, relationships with our with our parents as we were growing up. Not everybody had it as easy as all of us on Paris Mountain in Traveler's Rest. Quite frankly, I don't really know that everybody in that neighborhood did either. But for the bulk of it, it seemed like we did. But you gotta you gotta remember that there are lives out there that are a little bit different. The the foster care system perplexes me. Um, I've said this before to my uh, church going friends. If you know, if you, when you look at the numbers of churches that exist in the United States and the number of kids we have in foster care, if every single church had one family that would foster or adopt children and the rest of that church support that family, we would have no reason to have a foster care system except just to make appointments when they would show up because we would have them taken care of. Now, that's that's my challenge to all you churches out there. Some of you, I've been in them, are killing it, and you know you really push it, and I think that's fantastic. Some of you couldn't care less, or at least it's not on your radar. Let me be fair. Um, we should, and I'm, I'm again, uh, as I'm harsh to some of my friends and the listeners on this show that may be atheists or whatever they want to be. Uh, I will issue challenges to my Christian friends and listeners as well. And I'm going to tell you, yes, yes, church family, that is something that should be taken up by you. It should. It should. I, I, there's no reason that can't be brought up and that can't happen in every single congregation, no matter the size of your church. It's just, it's just, there's, there's no debating that. And, and I, I say it because I really hate what happens with these kids? I hate that they get put in a situation. You know, I'm not. I'm not here to blame the parents. I, I'm. I'm not. That's not what any of this is about. And man, I'm going to tell you. Sometimes when I hear the stories, uh, or at least a little bit that we know that's going on, uh, Maria has to calm me down. I'm just like, oh, are you kidding me? But what I've found over the over the time that it's really it's really not set to blame the parents, and you really shouldn't put your energy towards that. But it does stink that, that kids are innocent victims and they find themselves in situations that that they didn't get to grow up like me. And again, that's not saying a ton. I mean, I, I grew up great. It was great. But it wasn't extravagant. And it wasn't anything that I didn't think that every kid should be allowed to have. To, to grow up at home with people around you, with neighbors that loved you, with folks that were your friends, to know you had food on the table, to know that you had a roof over your head, and to know that no one was going to do it for you, 
But they were going to set you up so you could go off on your own as an adult and be successful in, in one way or another. I hate that. So that's why I love having Kendra on to hear what they're doing, to hear about the successes, to hear how they're helping, to hear how they're individualizing the efforts made towards uh, each child in, in the way that would work for the individual child. I love that. Oh my God, that's great. You know what? In a lot of ways, these kids have something that I didn't have growing up. That's that's great. That is phenomenal. Love it. We just need to do more with it. We need more people to help. We need to not let issues fall on the back burner. We got to quit saying that this is the most important subject that our generation is going to come up with, and then we ignore it the next time a scandal breaks. I don't, I don't think we're going to, we're not going to do that through our Twitter pages and on the national scale. I, I understand that. But if you're within the sound of my voice, you, you can, you can do something in your community. Again, I'm going to um, plead to you to reach or to do whatever you can that's within your reach. Look at your community, look at your churches, look at your friends, your families, stuff that's around you. I, look, I know not everybody is set up to foster a, a, a kid. Not everybody wants to get into that. No, no, not everybody feels that they can make that commitment. I, I understand that completely, but you can help. You can donate. You can do something. You can become aware. You, you can promote them. You can find something for them. There's a ton of organizations you can say that about, right? I mean, I, I can have one on here a week. But it doesn't take that much. Don't do that much in order to take the time to tell somebody else about it, to find out if somebody needs some help, to see if somebody needs a little bit of support. I'm not talking finances. I mean, just taking them out for coffee. Fostering kids can be tough sometimes. But when you see an organization like this, when they have fundraisers when they when they do stuff that that's where you can help and and it may not seem like much to you but every time you you attend that stuff your dollars go a long way you're and it's not just that you being there shows not only the workers but the kids that you think that they're important and you value what they're doing as a family yeah the workers and the kids there they're a family and you're showing them your support just being there Man, that's awesome. Yeah, I, We miss stuff like that all the time. We walk around with our heads in the clouds or in our uh, Apple clouds, constantly looking at all the stuff we've got to do for the day. But man, stopping by a, a, a taco truck that's nasty and disgusting, <laughs> like I did earlier this week, um, but knowing that their proceeds go to help another organization, there's nothing wrong with that. I want to I want to tell you something. There's there's some of you out there that is that have done something recently where you 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 put a little bit of extra money uh, in the bucket at Publix because they're raising money for the Children's Miracle Network or the Salvation Army bell ringers or the taco truck or or something else. You you've at some point within the past few months you've done that and you said, "Gosh, I need to do more of it." You know what I want to tell you just real quick. I want to tell you, thank you for doing what you did. Do, doing that one time means a lot. Don't, don't feel bad about that. Continue doing that. That's a great thing that you did. It seems like so little, but man, that stuff really adds up. 
and, and in situations like this, in situations like the foster care system, I'm going to tell you those inches add up to miles very, very quickly. So, yeah, we can, we can be negative about this stuff. We can, I can sit here and give you the sob stories. I can tell you the statistics that I hear, the stories that I read. I, I, I can do that. I can tell you where you should be doing better. I can sit here and preach from my mountaintop all I want to. But the truth of the matter is I kind of, I kind of want to say thanks to any of you that have even thought for a second and you've reached into your pocket, you've put a dollar into the fireman's boot. You've gone and attended the food truck rodeo over at the children's shelter. Like every time you do that, it doesn't matter. Like it's great that you get something out of it. Great. That's why they do it. But it's wonderful because it really adds up. I say this all the time, that you're not going to go out there and change the world. You're just not going to. But, man, if if all of us are doing a little bit every day, just a little bit, drastic changes are happening. You don't even know it. Sure, if we stopped doing it, oh, the, the, what you would see would be chaotic. I hope we never have to see that. So feel good about yourself. Feel good for the little bit that you do. That little bit is important and means a lot. Don't stop doing it. Keep looking for areas where you can. It's just a dollar. It's just 50 cents. It's just 10 minutes of your time. All of that stuff up adds all of that stuff adds up so quick. So quick. Do whatever you can within your reach this week, this month, this year. If we all do it, I guarantee you, the changes will be apparent very quickly. Thanks for stopping by the bar. We've picked up your tab, but if you'd like to leave the best bar... If you'd like to drop us a line, send your emails to chad at localbarmedia.com. Thanks for coming in. See you next week. Yes, we will see you next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. With all the nostalgic references you may want. Thanks for being a part of the show. Thanks for seeing us. Drop me a line if you feel like it. The email is working. Until <laughs> next week, take care. This podcast is part of a local bar media. For this and other shows, visit localbarmedia.com.